This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Charcoal Book Club. The Charcoal Book Club is the monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts. Working with the most respected names in contemporary photography, Charcoal selects and delivers essential photo books to a worldwide community of collectors. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. Join the club by visiting charcoalbookclub.com and use the promo code THECANDIDFRAME at checkout and receive a 10% discount on your first membership payment. Over the years, it's been my pleasure to showcase talented photographers of all genres and at different stages of their careers. Each has provided some wonderful insights into what it means to be a photographer. Along with sharing the stories of their work and careers, some photographers have worked hard to create and nurture a community. Photographers like Aline Smithson of the Lenscraft blog, Juan Jose Reyes of the Miami Street Photography Festival, and George Nabeche of the Evening with the Masters series have created spaces for photographers to grow, learn, and thrive. Anna Gunn has also done this as the founder of the Porto Photography Festival that happens annually in Portugal. Though the pandemic led to the cancellation of the event last year, Anna still managed to create a rare opportunity for photographers to get together and collaborate. Womanchin is an international collection of 13 female photographers who each found creative ways of interpreting their experiences through COVID-19. The resulting work and the way it's showcased online is a wonderful example of innovation and moving beyond limitations. This is Ibarian X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. I'm so glad uh, you reached out to me and started and, and, and told me about the project, because I love glimpses of positivity during these, these dark times. Tell us about this, because I, I, uh, I've seen a lot of projects that have revolved around this period of time, but uh, I thought this was a really unique, uh, a unique take on it. Do you know, I've, I don't even know where to start with this project because it's, it's such an evolution. Um, in searching for a way, because obviously the last time we spoke was about the festival. So in having to move everything around, I think everybody has this year. There's no getting around that. You've had to move some way, shape or form. And in trying to move around and find a place where that might live in some way, shape or form, I've had to test a lot of software in order <laughs> to see if we could make that live online. And it really couldn't. I was searching and it just couldn't. But in my searches, I saw a lot of people who were creative in this time and their projects, they put them on online galleries and I could see the creativity that they were coming out with was amazing. But I kind of wanted to see what a group of, if I say, it's, it, it is a demographic of photographers could come up with. And the women that I chose, I chose particularly to deal with female photographers because I remember reading an article, I think, back in... February last year that said that the coronavirus was killing feminism 
and that was a strong headline. Mm. I thought that's that seems a bit strong to me. Come on, Guardian newspaper, that's how's that real? And you read the stats, and it was horrifying to read because they stated that women in work were earning less than men, and so in a household that was locked down with COVID the men would take precedence over the female of the house. The female would have to look after their kids and so their career would be put on hold. And it listed these horrible things. And in February, I've got to say, I looked at it and went, yeah, that seems rather doom and gloom. I'll put that away. And as the year progressed, you kind of saw that that was really true. And in the year, I was contacted by a lot of photographers, many of which were struggling to find a new way in COVID times. And there were many more that were twisting their businesses into something incredible, like portrait photographers who were doing their sessions over Zoom, architecture photographers doing it with a laptop. Yeah, that was, to me, that was creative genius. So I wanted to try and see what creativity had been going on with these females who, you know, this article had said were going to be hit most. So I put out a call to see whether or not there would be any interest in people joining me on a project. And the response was a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> uh, I think we had like something between 70 and 90 women. Wow. Right. It, it was very... I was very heartwarming rendering. So the initial brief started out with three photos and a video because I thought an online gallery, three photos of them each and, and a video could live on other social media platforms. And during the brainstorming sessions, these ladies and I had a meeting in a Facebook group and a lot of them, we, we brainstormed for a good couple of hours, and I think some most of the ladies had, had gone away. And this one photographer who's a real estate photographer, um, Catherine Gooding, she came in and she explained what she was doing for her clients. And it was like, I don't think that many of us understood in the group what she had just said. And I, it was it was one of those times where like a light bulb in the group kind of collectively came on at the same time when we kind of just suddenly all realized what she just said and what she was able to do for her clients. And when she took us through her virtual tour of a real estate photography gallery where you walk through a whole house online and you could see an interior of a whole house that suddenly we were all saying, well, hang on, we can actually, what, we could photograph our house and put our own images on our own walls? No, no, wait, what, what, what? So rewind, we can make, mm -hmm. we can photograph and make our own walls and space. So we, like, we suddenly, I don't, we, it, trying to wrap our heads around what we had just seen took a lot of time because it was 
something that we were all immediately excited about. And I think those who had ever worked in 3D got it immediately. But those of us who weren't in that field, we were like, hang on, how does how does that work? What we so we don't just take three photos, we take six photos, and each one makes up a side of that room. And then we give it over to Catherine and she makes that a room. How does that even work? Yeah. And it, it 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 was like, okay, yeah, we'll take that's what we'll do. We take four photos, each one is going to be a wall, and then we'll take a photo for the floor and a photo for the ceiling. And then Catherine will put that in together and we'll get to view that and see how it fits together. And then you can look around it like a 360 degree, but you can also scroll up and scroll down. So the brief immediately changed. And then I had to try and explain that concept again and again. And I remember like (laughs) sat here with an open cube trying to show which which image would go on which side and how they would need to be orientated to be able to fit in to the box. And then the added advantage is that it's online. So we could add clickable links in so people can get a sense of what we're all saying about our own work without us actually being there. So we could add a description as if yeah. you were being toured through that room. And so the whole thing like suddenly lived as, as a whole concept. It just suddenly came alive because it was an actual thing that people would experience rather than a passive right, yeah. thing, which I don't know if you've, you, you know, those times where you've, gone into an exhibition uh, and, and I think you must have experienced this everybody must have experienced this at some point and if you haven't after this pandemic go do it you've, you've walked into an exhibition and you've seen a print on the wall that is larger than you as a person it's so enormous it's so big and the scale of it makes you have a physical response to it because you're comparing yourself against that scale it's it's a visceral thing i i felt like this was the closest thing we could give somebody online to that experience without wearing vr goggles although that's a possibility with that yeah well it's it's very cool because it, it it really it makes you rethink your work rather than just being a two-dimensional object that hangs on a wall you know, it becomes a virtual thing, and then you really have to reconsider what you expect people to experience when they look at it in this particular way. It's like, okay, I'll, I like these pictures. I'll just put them on the wall, and that'll be okay. Now you have to just think about so many other considerations, especially how people are na- na- navigating that space and the various options they have. Right. So... I mean, that's that's a good point that you make there. The, the options are, are vast and they are big. And as creatives, we don't often work very well with too many options. Mm-hmm. So we'd already narrowed down the brief to making sure that you were taking photos of your life through this year or 
things that represented this year to you because of narrowing down that field otherwise you you know you could literally do anything and fill that space with anything some of the photographers are portrait photographers and others uh you know there's a whole gamut concept photographers so each artist was always going to come up with their own take on the year and what that room would look like and I think having having the artists photograph I mean some of them they were ever so generous in their honesty and their vulnerability I think you know people like Carmen she's actually shown her own living space within the room and photographed what she was doing in that space during the year and it's it's a room where it's instantly relatable because you walk in and you're like well that's me in pajamas you know that's mm -hmm. <laughs> I, that's where I spent most of my year yes sat on a sofa in pajamas and and as you wander around her space you can you can instantly see yes this is this is something that relates very easily to what we've all spent our time doing in the year and each of the photographers kind of did the same. They just took on what their experience of the year was and put it into their room. And it wasn't all negative or doom and gloom. It was just what it is. It's, it was just like a, a time capsule of this year and just a way of going, this was it and this was what it was. That I was really fortunate, you know, that they – not only did they grasp the brief and challenge themselves to do it, but every time I added more things to the brief, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll take that on. We'll do that. Because the, the video element, that was something that was incredibly challenging to, to the photographers. Some don't do video. And so persuading them to stand or put themselves in front of a video and do that is, it's totally, you know, outside a comfort zone. And yet each one of them did it and has put that inside their room in some way. And it's seamless because it's still it's still part of them and it shows more personality of what they were doing. So yeah, I was um it wasn't a, the project that we expected at the start. It was a very fluid process. Yeah. Um and I think it it kind of it kind of works so much cooler than I could have expected because everybody brought something into it and it wasn't just one person's. It was, uh, you know, it was a collective's. I think one of the reasons it works so well is there's a, a genuineness, genuineness to it. There's a genuineness and an intimacy to it, which I, I don't think existed in a lot of work that I was seeing initially during the COVID pandemic, because a lot of it was sort of a, an objective observation of what was happening, like the empty streets or portraits of people, you know, on their porches. And, and th they certainly were an important part of telling the story. But as, as time has gone on and everyone has had their own unique uh, experience of it, there is something that was being lost. And I think work like this, allows people to have a unique opportunity to really relate to artwork. Because even though they're not experiencing the exact circumstances of, of the artist, 
there's enough recognizable in there that, that it really connects. And it brings a certain sense of of the universal universal experience that we're all experiencing, uh, we're all living right now, I think to the fore. And I think it's one of the things I, I really like about projects like, like this, because it allows people to be very genuine, being very honest. And if you're anything else but, it just, it, it, it doesn't work. And I think having such a diversity of people all doing this in their own way, and then collectively doing it so almost being in sync with each other, I think is, is, is a great testament to what you've, you've managed to do. I think one of the great things about it is that we've all heard the phrase, we're going through the same storm, but we are all in different boats. I think mm -hmm. that's something that has stuck with me through this year. But to showcase what those individual boats across the world look like, I think that's um, that's something else that this project has drawn out because we've got artists sitting in France, Spain, South Africa, America, Portugal, and each one of us, although we've all experienced this year, we've all experienced it very differently. We're all different photographers, so our business has been affected differently, and we're all with different constraints. Some of us have been only curfewed, others have been in full lockdowns multiple times, and some of us have been with children in the same house as those lockdowns and others haven't. And I think it's very important. And I think the year has shown us that empathy and seeing other people is incredibly important and perhaps something that we had been losing touch with prior to COVID. So if there is positivities to come out of all of this, it is the fact that we can find humanity somewhere in it again. You know, this isn't what I set out to do with the project. Yeah. It isn't what, what you know, it wasn't the main <laughs> mission of it, but it was a beautiful byproduct, I think, that, that kind of came through in talking to the artists afterwards and, and understanding them a little bit more. Because I think when you see somebody's work, you might know them as a person, and then when you see them, their work, there's another level there. It suddenly go, hang on, you, how, why do you think like that? How how is it that you think in that way? Yeah, and and getting to know them as people, but also through their work, was really beautiful. And you get that because you get to see their thoughts behind the artwork as well as the artwork itself, which. I think is is such a delicious thing to be able to know. Oh, I like that. Delicious. <laughs> yeah, I like that description. Well, you you said that this was sort of spurred by some reading that you you had uh, you had taken in as a result of of COVID and its impact on on women. But tell me about how everyone seeing each other's work and having a chance to dialogue within the Facebook group. What sort of new insights do you think? came to the fore as a result of everyone being able to sort of share share their experience both creatively and just in speaking with each other? Oh, you know, I think sometimes, if I say sometimes, it's probably a, a large percentage of the time from what I understand and have seen of, of photographers, we work in isolation and it can be incredibly bad for us because um, you either give 
too much importance to your own work or don't understand when something has actually struck a chord with other people. And so having a group, a collective supportive group of artists work through a project like this together, we didn't have any choice but to ask for help and we didn't have any choice but to talk to each other and say, I'm not quite getting this. How does this work? This is my concept or will this concept work within the room? It was lovely to work through that and be able to talk through concepts or to have a first concept and then change your mind and go in a different way, resulting from the, the conversations that you're having in those rooms. Um, I think Sophie was talking about donning a T-Rex uh, costume in the beginning in her <laughs> shower room. And I really, I wanted to see that T-Rex costume, <laughs> by the way. I was an advocate for it. I'm sorry it's not there. I still want to persuade her to do that. Um, but it was it was through conversations like those where, um, you know, she shifted over to to the sofa concept of where she'd spent more time. But but there were evolutionary conversations that we had about each other's work, about whether or not it would work, and just you know, a lovely, encouraging atmosphere of there's nothing you can't say anything wrong because it's your own work. There's nobody go- here going to give you yeah. a like or a thumbs down. This isn't a judgment space. Also, you, we're not doing it for the validation of a social media heart. So when you're working as a group of collective photographers, you're working to better yourself and the group. So there were times where if an artist had handed in her room and it was put together, all of us would suddenly rush to go see that room to see Mm. how the concept had worked. And then if we see what worked and didn't work and then take that away and help them correct that, but also take away that knowledge to be able to work on our own individual rooms. So there was definitely, you know, a comparison, but a comparison in a, in not a putting yourself down way, a comparison of, okay, so I'm measuring myself against somebody else, but only to ensure that my level of work is always as good as it can be. Yeah. And that was so much healthier than I think we, we often see where, you know, everybody compares themselves to each other and walks away feeling a bit yuck. <laughs> I recently received a copy of Alejandro Cartagena's new book, A Small Guide to Home Ownership, as part of my membership at the Charcoal Book Club. The book features a 13-year personal project where he explored the suburbanization of the Monterey metro area in northern Mexico. The book is more than just a collection of great photographs, but also a marked departure of design as compared to a traditional photo monograph. It's a book that challenges the idea of what a collection of photography can and should look like. It's a wonderful discovery that I might have missed had I not been a member of Charcoal Book Club. It's made possible because Charcoal Book Club curates and offers books from great contemporary photographers. And when you become a member, each month you'll receive a copy of a new book and a collectible print to add to your collection. They offer free shipping to the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., It's subsidized elsewhere, 
And if you're not feeling that month's selection, you can swap it out for a different one of similar value. Visit their website to see what they've offered in the past and what you have to look forward to. Join the club at charcoalbookclub.com today and remember to use the code THECANDIDFRAME at checkout and receive a 10% discount on your first membership payment. And thanks to the many of you who support The Candid Frame financially. Your contributions have helped us so much over the past year. Only a handful of listeners contribute to the show financially. And if you've been thinking about it but haven't done it, why not become a Patreon supporter today? It's really easy to do. You can do that by contributing $5, $10, $20 or more a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame. Just $5 a month can make a huge difference for us. Thank you as always for your support. I think it's also incredibly self-affirming to put something out that's really personal out there and not just have people like it, but to feel inspired and encouraged by it in terms of their own work. And when you see that reflected in someone else's work, it's just, it's, it's a gift upon a gift, right? You know, because you're seeing that your experience, your creativity is helping someone explore their own. And that's that's a wonderful and rare thing. You know, the the relationship that is built up between all of us that took part in that project is incredibly strong. The project took about three months to do. And the amount of talks and, you know, chats we had in Zoom rooms and Facebook rooms was enormous, um, but always, always encouraging and always positive. And it was, you know, I don't think any of us knew at the time what it was going to turn into. It was just that we were all working in our, you know, on our projects. So when it's kind of came together and was built in the end and everybody then could go and visit everybody else's room when it was made fully launched and public, you know, that launch room was the biggest buzz I think I've experienced in years (laughs) to be online with a group of ladies who were launching their project at the same time as I was launching my project on social media you know it was incredible it was it was just a, a most lovely feeling to to be part of it and to go along it's and it's never the same when you're just posting your own work and you're like, oh, I just uploaded yeah. to Facebook or I just uploaded it to Instagram now. Well, that's just done. That's like falls flat. It doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't seem the same. <laughs> you're not going to get a Zoom party for those, are you? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about coming up with the name for it. I didn't. Um, the name was from Tammy. I have to give her a huge shout out. At the beginning, I was saying to her, I need a cool name and I'm rubbish with this. Can you help? <laughs> um, and Tammy, bless her, she's been like my right hand lady uh, during festival times. So she's now, she's like my sounding board I go to um, to help me out with, with these sorts of things. And she was going through the Urban Dictionary, and I think where Mansion is actually in the Urban Dictionary, and we were like, "That sounds cool. That will do." And then we put it online, and as what do you all think of this? 
and Virginia came up with she said oh great I'll I'll just do a logo for you guys she just designed a logo based on the idea of a Womansion to break up the W and the M and mm-hmm. you know it was it already felt like everybody was just adding to the concept straight away and that's what I mean about the fact that really you know everybody just took it and ran with it and added their own things in and it, and it's literally got thumbprints of everybody who's kind of come into contact with it really and every, everybody's in there yeah it's a really intriguing name not just because of the you know the feminization of the word but also in sense in terms of the the, the various meanings of home mansion you know about you know all those different ways that we have of describing you know the places in which we live and that that particular that particular word is oftentimes more impersonal but as opposed to you know my pad right that's a more more intimate sort of description of where you of where you live but i like how it it, it brings up the idea of treasures you know right of it being sort of a, a a protective place of of things that are valuable. Well, I'm going to read the definition from the Urban Dictionary to you. Oh, okay. Here. And it says, a mansion where women drink quality wine and eat sumptuous appetizers comfortably seated on a porch overlooking the setting sun on the sea, unbothered by men. <laughs> Personally, I quite like the drinking quality wine <laughs> part. <laughs> I do too. I do too. <laughs> and it's, it just sort of brings to mind the importance of a safe of a, of a safe space, especially for women and women who are creative, and especially in, in a challenging time where issues of of sex, you know, gender, class are being really being brought to the fore because of this the way the the virus is sort of revealing all these these economic and social disparities and so this this project really is a, a wonderful safe place for people to be able to express themselves which is just lovely well i hope that it doesn't just stay in this format um i i hope that we can have a bigger and more flaws added, as it were. Mm. That, that is the idea, but you never know where, where things are going to take it. But as for a safe space, I think you're right. It's a, certainly a year that's been revealing on, on more than one level for everybody. And it's one of those years where certain things that needed to be said perhaps can be listened to now. And I hope that those stories come out and people can listen to them and see them. It's, it's amazing how, you know, even, even the, the internet can be a vile place. I've already had some massively horrible comments about this. I'm sure you will. It's what, it's what the internet is about sometimes mm-hmm. is vilifying a, a set of, uh, especially when you're putting together something for perhaps one group of people. It's difficult not to have that conversation. It's difficult not to say, look, if you treat this group or your minority group better, then the full society actually improves. 
and gets better with you. So if you provide a safe space for everybody and your minority groups, then the whole general population improve as a whole. It's difficult to say that without people tuning out very quickly. And I think art kind of has that ability at times to speak past people's biases. And so I hope that people don't just think, oh, this is only a project for women. It's not for men. That's, yeah. that's not really the point. The point is to show you another side and to perhaps show you how other people have lived through this. That, that's the point of it. Yeah, and great work isn't about exclusion. You know, great artwork is about inclusion. It's about being able to connect us and to allow us to see how we're alike. And I think, I think a lot of people, when they when they assume that, it, that this material is ex being exclusively made exclusively by a group of people or for a group of people, that they feel like they they are losing something. And it's like no, 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 no. Just put put that first impulsive. Uh, uh, assumption aside and take a look and experience the work and then see how you connect to it. You may not exactly relate to it in the way that the artist, you know, may, may have the work reflect them, but you know, we're all human beings and you'll be able to connect because there's plenty of work out there. Who, who's the artist and the artist experience. I have, I'm as far away from it as possible. But then I look at the work and I experience the work and there's something that I that I, I take away from it. And hopefully it gives me an opportunity to reconsider the way I think about the work, myself, the world, life, all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what we're hoping for. It's also why um, we take on other artwork. We read books, we read different genres, we take on as much different content as possible as as kind of fuel you can't be inspired unless you've filled your library bank up of inspiration um and hopefully you know that's what this will do how did you find creating your own what was that experience like for you um in truth a bit scary because i haven't been creating work for a very long time obviously my time was taken up quite a large part of it um mm for many years and so pivoting this year to, to actually pick up the camera again has been quite scary because um, I felt like I was going to be out of practice and you know a ton of insecurities pop up about the quality of your work am I still good at this is this still something I want to do I don't really feel very inspired and it's amazing how the same insecurity it doesn't matter where you are does it it's the mm -hmm. same insecurities that show up time and time again it's like i don't know what's in these cameras but the minute you've got one in your hand the gremlins come out and start speaking to you <laughs> <laughs> and going through my own room was you know i live with somebody who has a high level of anxiety and this pandemic had amplified that for us. And there were things that I knew that we were doing that other people weren't, that was quite extreme. I knew that our entranceway has become like, 
you know, like the space station when you come back into space and you decontaminate. That's pretty mm -hmm. much what, what our hallway has become. And it's become very clinical with a lot of products that you spray everything down. And so I took all of those things really that I'd been experiencing and tried to put them into, into my room. But really, I think, focus on the emotions rather than the reality of a room or trying to clear out. I mean, honestly, I think anybody can understand this. In COVID, the last thing you really want to do is A, get dressed, brush your hair, <laughs> or, or find a space in your house to be able to be clean enough that you want to photograph. So the, the, the cleanest space I can find is actually in front of my white wall. Um, and I was like, yeah, that will do. That will be my canvas. And creating um, the images became a little bit of an exploration into my own psyche about the times where I really just wanted really to get out and break through the walls. And then the other times of, you know, holding on to your artwork, holding on to creativity. I think that's something that a lot of us have done through this time is hold on some, to something we can control. And often the only things we can control is what's through the, you know, the, that shutter and what you're able to, to take as a photograph that's controllable. Yeah. And that happened to be something that I thought, okay, I can, I can use in my room as a way of showcasing that's what I'm holding on to. I'm, myself is staying sane through my own artwork. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much what has kept me sane is being able to pick up the camera and at least create something, which is a godsend really because it's – I think as most people who are creative, we, we need something. We need an outlet for that creativity somewhere. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness that we have photography. Thank goodness that we do have an outlet. And I used it a lot this year. I'm so glad that you did it because I know that as a facilitator, it's really easy to defer your own creativity for the sake of everybody else. Says, well, I got enough to do. I got to do this and that. I'll just allow it. I'll allow everybody else. I'll let everybody else showcase the work, and I'll just like do the grunt work. So I'm really uh, glad that you did. But did you have to convince yourself to do it, or did someone help you to convince you to do it? It's it's funny that you say that because <laughs> the other endeavors I've created, <laughs> I created in the first place for me although that was a there were public endeavors and i thought mm -hmm. in the beginning that you know putting together things for other people i would i would also learn more about photography from uh instructors and other photographers and and it's just crazy because you don't you're you're too busy <laughs> putting on that particular project and so you know your artwork and yourself does you get put aside and through COVID, actually, because I'd had to press pause on everything else, it meant that I could pick my own artwork back up again and find, to my surprise, that my photography was at a level that it, I didn't have any right to expect it to be at because I hadn't really been practicing for years because of projects. So picking it back up again and then realising that I had, in fact, 
learned a great deal from other photographers during that time. Mm -hmm. And that my idea of practice was wrong. I had imagined that practice was your 10,000 hours and you're learning your technical ability within the camera. And you, you practice that for 10,000 hours continually until you become proficient and great, and that's practice. But there's this other element of practice that I had completely overlooked and I hadn't understood, and that was you are still practicing when you are watching other people work mm. because you're taking in what they do. And more importantly, if you get to have a conversation with those people, you get to know how they think. So even if I wasn't in all of those workshops, I was getting the privilege of being their friend and finding out how they think and how they were challenging me as a human being and then picking that camera back up to come and create work again. I found that I had a bigger depth to reach into in terms of imagination and also all of the things that I actually had been practicing, but I never knew that I was practicing. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was quite revealing. That was something that, that I didn't understand and had learned this year. And I think one of the other things is that you, you, you grow, you evolve, and that you, you change. You have much more keener awareness in terms of who you are, how you see, and that that the creation of the images just becomes sort of an extension of that. You know, you may not have been practicing the mechanics of, of photography, but in terms of living your life, gaining insights, because, you know, the, the photographs are not just about the things that you photograph. It's about your ideas, how you feel. And I think that having a chance to dialogue with other people like I do in this show you know, the biggest takeaway is that that it's not so much how the photographs are made or even why the photographs are, are, are made because that changes. It's it's just making the choice to, to say to yourself, I give myself permission to try and say something. And sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to say and that's okay. But that's, that's I think that's the most empowering thing. It's just like I, 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 I give myself permission to try and say something. Yes. And I also will add to that sometimes when you're putting on a project like this one and you're asking other people to be vulnerable, surely it's up to you to be vulnerable too alongside mm -hmm. them. Absolutely. And so allowing myself to be part of it, it wasn't necessarily that I allowed myself. I kind of felt like I really needed to in order mm, to show that yeah. it was it was going to be okay to be vulnerable and that I wasn't asking them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Um, don't forget, I mean, this, this project is, um, is very different to ones that we would ordinarily do where you take one photograph and you can control where you put that work or who sees it or how it's shown or, mm. or showcased. A lot of it was huge trust. I, I've, often said it is like a director that is asking an actor to act in front of a green screen without knowing what the green screen will have yeah. on it at mm -hmm. the end. 
it's not dissimilar to that because nobody really knew until those photographs were taken and uploaded how that room would be. Although we can visualize what it what it might have been until it's all put together. You don't know if the scenes are going to line up, how that distortion is going to work for you. Is it going to work against you? Um, and in some rooms, it deliciously worked towards people, especially in Sam's room where the legs got distorted at the mm -hmm. edges and it kind of worked perfectly because of the concept behind it but we all took a leap of faith knowing that our artwork was going to live in a place that we didn't yet know if it would really work or not so I felt like I owed it to those ladies to do it myself with them and to kind of say well we're in this like we'll 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 weather it out together <laughs> I like that I like that well, my last question, which I ask each guest, is I ask them to recommend another photographer for listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? Oh, why is this so difficult? Um, <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm going to direct you to Megan Joy. Um, I feel it only fitting to direct you to another female photographer and Megan Joy has been somebody who's supported myself and my endeavors for a long time now and her artwork is amazing and it's partly because of the fact that she had a physical exhibition at the top of 2020 that she wasn't able to do that was then turned into a, an online exhibition that sparked some of these ideas so I have to give um, her a a nod and say thank you. Well, Anna, thank you. It was a pleasure to catch up with you and, and, and to have an opportunity to share this great work with my audience. So thank you for making the time. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me. Thanks to Anna for joining us. Find out more about Anna, the Porto Photo Festival, and Womansion by visiting the Candid Flame website or check out the show notes for this episode. And if you're a devoted listener and subscribe to the show, write us a review on whatever service you listen to podcasts. Those reviews have allowed us to grow. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our mailing list. On the YouTube channel, I offer critiques on images submitted by TCF listeners like you, while the mailing list keeps you updated with all TCF events, including workshops and more. Sign up today. And remember, you can support the show by contributing to our Patreon effort or make a one-time or recurring donation via PayPal. Thanks to Heidi Alexander and Christy Hyam for their recent contributions. We also provide a series of ebooks on photography available for purchase on our website. It's my way of sharing my experience and knowledge and another way for you to support the show. And if you can't find every episode of the show on whatever service you listen to podcasts, download the Candid Frame app, which is available for both Apple iOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candor Frames audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candor Frame.